Um, tonight, I'd like to just begin looking at the life of Gideon here. And uh, the story of Gideon covers three chapters of the Bible, chapters Judges 6, 7, and 8. And so there's not, it's not going to be possible, at least trying to be somewhat limited here tonight in, again, the message here, to be able to cover this thoroughly tonight here. And so I'm going to be looking at kind of an overview here tonight as we consider the acts and character of a mighty man of valor. As we consider this man here tonight, Gideon, kind of as a character and some of the things he did, again, uh, hopefully uh, next week and the weeks to come, we can look at uh, some things that we can learn from his life. But let's begin here by reading in Judges chapter 6, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them in the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them dens, which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. So it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up, and the Malachites, and the children of the east, even they come up against them. And they camped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come to Gaza and left no substance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. And they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers from multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought thee up out of Egypt, and brought forth out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all, the all that oppressed you, and drave them out from before you, and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. And they came, and there came an angel of the Lord, and sat under an oak, which was an Orpah, that pertained to Joash the Abizarite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared on him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto them, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? Did not the Lord bring us out of the land of Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us in the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Tonight I want to look at the acts and the character 
of a mighty man of valor. But let's pray as we consider this man here tonight. Father, thank you, Lord, for this time we can look at the scriptures. Father, see into the life of Gideon, also his country, as they dealt with tyranny. They dealt with, again, a time where they were oppressed and mightily oppressed by a government that was over them and people that wanted to destroy them. I pray as we look at this passage here tonight that we could see in the life of, a, uh, again, a man that was raised up by God as people prayed to God. Again, just bless this time as we meet here again tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we consider tonight the acts and the character of this mighty man of valor, and I call him a mighty man of valor because the angel called him that, verse number 12. The angel of the Lord appeared on him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And so we find in the Bible that Gideon is called a mighty man of valor, and I want to consider him as that kind of a man. What did he do, and what was his character like to be called such a kind of a man? As we consider here tonight, just an overview to begin with, a little background on this passage of Scripture, uh, they come out of a place of peace and safety. Under Deborah and Barak, it says there in verse number 31, it says, So let all the enemies of, uh, of thine enemies perish, O Lord, and let them love him uh, that be as a son when he goeth forth in his might. And the land had rest for 40 years, so they come off years of rest. Now they were in a time of oppression. The Bible mentions that time of oppression in verse 1. It says, The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of of Midian seven years. And so this is a time of chastening. This is again what we see again over and over take place in, in the time of the judges. They, they go into a place of sin. They go into a place of subjection and spoiling. And they're chastened of the Lord. They pray to the God, God of heaven. As a result, God sends them a savior or a deliverer. And they go through this cycle over and over again. And so now they're right in that that part of the cycle where they're in the place of spoiling and slavery and oppression. And it is, it is extreme. You know, as we read that letter here tonight, imagine if that was the U.S. You get to go out two hours a day at the most. Imagine how many people would like to be in that kind of a situation under governor, government or governor or, or rulers over them. Uh, this, again, was much worse there. In fact, look at verse number uh, two, it says, and the hand of the Midianites prevailed against Israel, and, and because the Midianites, the children of Israel, made them uh, dens, which were in the mountains and caves and strongholds. So what did they do? They basically left society to a large degree to hide, to go into hiding, just like you'll see there in the book of Revelation. And again, I'm not going to go there. It talks about people hiding in mountains, caves, and that sort of thing in the book of Revelation. Uh, severe persecution by these oppressors. It says in verse number three, it says, so it was when Israel had sown, and so they just went out to, uh, again, plant some different kinds of crops out there. It says the Midianites came up, and the Malachites and the children of Israel uh, even came up against them. So even if they went out to just, you know, provide some food for their family, again, they were tormented by their oppressors. And it says, and they escaped against them, uh, sorry, and they camped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come to Gaza and let no substance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox 
nor ass. So they probably don't have any you know, food as far as vegetables to a large degree. And if they do have any, it's not much at all. They don't have substance as far as meat is concerned. It talks about sheep, ox, or ass. They don't have these kind of things. And so they're in a very distressful situation. They've been oppressed some seven years. Again, the oppression has been very severe. They've been sowing and planting, and the oppressors destroy the stuff that they plant. They, again, are in a very difficult situation, gladly and hopefully. Uh, they, in verse number 6, the Bible says, And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And so they decide, you know, we need to go to God. We need to ask God for help. And again, as you look at these passages of scriptures, and as we go through these delivers, it seems like these people are pushed and pushed and pushed until finally, corporately, it seems like they go to God and ask for help. And uh, we see this in this situation here. And God does help there in verse number 7. It says, And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried on the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord God sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt, brought thee forth out of the house of bondage. I deliver you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of them that oppressed you, and drave them out from before you, and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God, fear not, the gods and the Amorites, in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. They weren't obeying God. They're fearing gods that they should not fear. They feared the God of the Amorites. Now, I don't know what that entails, but again, I just mentioned that as the Bible mentions that there. Verse number 11, it says, And there came an angel Lord, so a prophet was sent, he speaks to them, says, you have not obeyed my voice. An angel of the Lord comes and sat down under an oak that was by Orpah that pertained to Joash and Abizarite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And so there was some food to come by. Gideon had some and they'd hide that food. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? Where be his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And so here Gideon He's in a position where he's called a mighty man of valor, but he's concerned because he hasn't seen miracles done by God. And so as we consider the acts of Gideon here tonight, we pick up here and we find out here tonight that the first act of Gideon is to ask God to give us some miracles again. Now that might seem, again, something that we shouldn't ask, or maybe it's something that's maybe too much to ask, but it's something that this mighty man of valor named Gideon asked for. Where be these miracles? He says, where are they at? It says in verse 14, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Mennonites. Have I not sent thee? So God says, You've got a job to do. You're to deliver. Do this. And so we find him 
tell him to do this, but yet we find Gideon asked for a miracle. And we see him want to honor this angel. It says in verse number 15, he said unto, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh. I am the least of my father's house. The Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. He said unto him, If now have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. So he asked for a sign. Now, again, you need to understand, again, the Jews required a sign. It mentions that in the New Testament. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 12. I don't know that today we should be looking for signs. I don't actually think we're supposed to be looking for signs. I know that we can seek God, and we can seek God to do things, great and mighty things, and we can ask things that are according to His will. He heareth us, and we can ask, and it shall be given to us. Seek, and ye shall find all those kinds of verses. Tell us what we can do as far as prayer goes. But here we find him asked for a miracle. He wants to get a sign from God, a confirmation sign that he indeed is to be the one who leads these people. Matthew chapter 12, in verse number 34, Jesus says here in the New Testament, it says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And then Matthew chapter 16, verse number 4. Matthew 16, verse number 4. The Bible says, A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And so God did give some signs, and yet it says here, and Jesus says, An even adulterous, wicked generation seeketh after a sign. Does that mean that Gideon was a bad guy by seeking a sign. No, if you take again 1 Corinthians, signs were given again in the Old Testament to confirm that indeed God was behind the leader. You see that with uh, Moses back there in Exodus. You see that in other examples there in the Old Testament. But let's turn back to Judges uh, chapter 6. The first act of Gideon was to ask God for a sign. And uh, so, again, he asked for a sign. Is God going to give him a sign? Yes, God's going to give him a sign. It's a pretty incredible sign here. We see it uh, following here in verse number 18. It says, Depart not hence, I pray thee. So Gideon tells his angel not to leave. Until I come and bring forth my present and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went and made ready a kid and on eleven cakes of an ephah of flour and flesh. He put in a basket and he put broth in a pot and brought it to him under the oak and presented it. And the angel Lord said unto him, Take the flesh, the unleavened cakes, lay them upon a rock, pour out the broth. And he did so. And the angel Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes and there rose up fire of the rock, it consumed the cakes, consumed the flesh, and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel Lord departed out of his sight. Now he asked for a sign. This is the first act of Gideon, at least that we're going to look at here tonight. He asked for a sign. God gave him a sign. And so he brought a gift to this angel, and you see there, out of a rock comes a fire. In verse number 21. 
That's certainly a sign to see fire come out of a rock. Water came out of a rock when it comes to Moses there in Exodus chapter uh, 17, verse number 4 through 6. Again, you're familiar with that. We're not going to turn there, but if you're taking notes, Exodus 17, verse 4 through 6, water came out of the rock, fire comes out of the rock, and the fire consumes that gift that was given to God and given to that angel. And uh, again, I believe that angel is not just an average angel. It says in verse number 12, he's the angel of the Lord. Verse number 14, Gideon addresses him as the Lord. The Lord looked upon him and said, go. And so we find here, the first act of Gideon was to ask for a sign. The second act of Gideon is important for us to see because I think it came as a result of this sign that was given him. In verse number 22, we read on, it says, And when Gideon perceived that the angel of the Lord had said, Alas, O my Lord, because I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face, and the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto you, fear not, thou shalt nigh. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet an Orpah uh, uh, of the Abizarites. Came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take the, the, thy father's young bullock, even the second, uh, second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal and, uh, that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. So now he's given a job to do by God. Here's what God would have him to do. The next act that Gideon is supposed to be involved with, he got a sign from God, and fire came and consumed a, a cake and some and, and some food, a gift that he had given him. But we see here, secondly, he's going to be called again to tear down the altars that his father built. Now, that would take some faith to tear down the altar that your father built, especially now that it's a, a pagan altar. In verse number 27, it says, Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him, and so it was because he feared his father's house and the men of the city that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose up early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal, Baal sorry, was cast down, and the grove was cut down by it, and the second bullet was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who is this that done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, they said Gideon, the son of Joash, had done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out this son that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash, that's his father, said unto all that stood by him, Will you plead for Baal? Will you save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death whilst it is yet morning. If he be God, let him plead for himself because one hath cast down his altar. Therefore on that day he, they called him Zerubbabel, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. Then all the Midianites and the Malachites and the children of Israel gathered themselves together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But we see the second act of Gideon. It's not just to ask of God for a sign, but now it's to do something by faith. He is to tear down the altar that his father built. He did so. He did so by night. He did with 10 different men there. He destroyed the altar. He erected an altar to Jehovah. 
He offered a sacrifice there to God. He is paving the way for a change in what God's people would do. But the people didn't want this to be done. You see there they wanted actually to destroy Gideon for tearing down this altar there. In verse 30 it says, And the man of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal. I just want to say this is a really tough time to be the deliverer. It's a very tough time to be, again, a man of faith and one certainly to lead God's people, but we see here where we see the first glimpse of Gideon as being a mighty man of valor. He's willing to oppose those things that were going on during his time, even done by his own father and certainly by those around him. He destroyed this altar. He did so by night, but yet he was siding with the truth. And so we see him do this second act. And then you see, as we read on there, and we're just kind of going through this. Again, it's an overview. Judges chapter 6, verse number 33 and following, we find him confirm his call. Confirm his call to lead God's people. And he wants God to give him a second sign. So he's asking God, again, for another sign. We see here, verse 34, it says, But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. So now, in a sense, he's certainly God-empowered. And he's certainly, again, a man for the time, a person for the time. He says, And he blew the trumpet, and Ebenezer was gathered after him. And he sent the messengers to all Manasseh, who had gathered after him. And he sent messengers to Asher, and unto Zebulun, and unto the Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. So he gathers people together. Look at verse 36. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the floor, and, in the, and if the dew be on the fleece only, it sh- and it shall be dry on the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said. And it was so... For he arose up early in the morning, then he thrust the fleece together and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. So God sent a lot of water on this fleece that he put on the ground. He wanted a sign, God gave him a sign. Verse 39 says, And Gideon said unto God, Let thine anger not be hot against me. I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but once. With the fleece, let it not now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon the ground let it there be dew. And God did it so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. Now one might say, what's this act of Guinness? Act of Guinness to really prove, hey, I'm to lead God's people. God, you got to show me this thing for sure. you got to confirm this for me for sure. Now, he's a Jew, and God deals with the Jews with signs. And so he allows for this fleece to be put on the ground, and this fleece is put on the ground. And during the night, the fleece gathers a lot of water, and the ground around it's dry. That's a miracle. That's not normal. If you put something out in nature, I mean, everything's going to be either wet or dry, depending on what the situation's like. But there was water in the fleece only. He wrings out that fleece in the bowl of water. And, you know, I don't know that he was totally convinced. Maybe he thought maybe this could just happen by accident. So he says, I want the opposite to happen. I want tomorrow, I want it to be dry in the fleece and I want it to be wet on the ground. And God does this for him. For what purpose does he do this? To confirm that he indeed is to lead God's people. 
To ask a sign of God is not something out of the question. It's not something of the ordinary. In fact, Abraham did that with Sodom. If you're taking notes, Genesis 18, verse 30 through 32, he asked God twice, and he asked much like this. In fact, it says there, verse number 39, And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me. I will speak this. Let me prove, I pray thee. He's proving God. He wants to make sure that this is God's will for his life. The second miracle, I believe, really, I mean, solidifies to a large degree Gideon's faith. He is ready now to be used of God to do God's bidding. And so, We see in the next chapter, Judges chapter 7, verse number 1, he begins to gather an army. He knows he's to lead, so he's going to gather an army. So we see here in the Bible, as we pick up in Judges chapter 7, verse number 1, let's read on, it says, Then Zerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the hosts of the Midianites were on the north side by the hill of Morah in the valley, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand has saved me. Now therefore go to proclaim the ears of the people. Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount uh, Gilead. And there returned of the people 22,000, and there remaineth 10,000. And so he calls together an army, and in this army, he asks again, is there anybody fearful, anybody afraid here? Basically, two-thirds of the army say, yes, we're afraid, we're scared. And he basically says, you guys can remain here. You're not going to go into battle. Verse number four, it says, and the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. Bring them down onto the water, and I will try them for thee there, and it shall be that of whom I say thee, this is he that shall go with thee, and the same shall go with thee. And, this, and, and whosoever I say to thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall, shall not go with thee. And so we see here in the Bible, he again moves by faith himself now. He's moving by faith. He's moving to a place where he said, I'll gather an army. God, I need, I'll lead an army, I'll gather an army. But then God says, hey, there's just way too many. 30,000 plus, there's too many. 10,000 plus, there's too many. And so the next act of Gideon is really to exercise faith in God and obedience to God. God is going to choose the army. He's going to choose the men in the army. He's going to choose the people in the army so that God gets the glory in in the fight to follow. We pick up there in verse number 7. It says, So they brought the people down to the water, and the men were Gibeon, every one that lapped the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink, the number of them that lappeth, putting their hand to their mouth, were 300 men, but all the rest of them bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And so he's going to eliminate people that will go with him. And everybody that laughed like a dog there in verse number 5, 9,700 of them just went down and licked like a dog would drink out of the water. They left them behind. 
And 300 men that went down and stooped down and didn't bow down there and put their hand into the water and put their hand in their mouth, these 300 were chosen by God to go into battle with him. And so we see the acts of, of Gideon there. A mighty man of valor, he tore down altars. He confirmed his call by a sign. Actually got two signs out of God on that one. He decreased his armed forces by faith. And uh, we see here, fourthly, him told to go listen to the enemy army. You see this in verse number 13. Well, let's read, let's read verse 9 all the way to there, if we would. And it came to pass that same night that the Lord said unto rise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered them into the hand. But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Fura, Pura, however you say that, thy servant, um, down to the host, and that thou shalt hear what they say. And afterwards shall thy, thy hands be strengthened to go down to the host. Then went he down with Fura, his servant, outside of the armed men that were with the host. So I just want to mention this as quickly here. He was scared a bit because God said, if you're a little bit scared, take this guy with you. So he goes with them. And the Malachites and the Midianites and the Malachites and all the children of Israel lay along the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. And their camels were without number as the sand of the sea without multitude. Imagine you, you're just part of a group of 300, you're going against a multitude of people. And it says, And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellows and said, Behold, a dream. I dreamed a dream, and lo, a, a cake of barley tumbled into the house of Midian and came unto the tent and smote it that it fell, and it overturned it, and the tent lay along. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. So he hears from the enemies that this guy has gotten a dream, and that dream says that Gideon's going to come along, and he's going to be the one that you know, takes care of them. And so we see in the Bible, he takes and follows God's building, and he goes to listen to the enemy, and he hears the enemy basically say that they're thinking that they're going to be defeated because of this dream here. In verse number 19, it says, and he divided into three companies and, uh, and put the, a trumpet in every man's hand with an empty pitcher and lamps within the pitchers, and he said unto him, look on me and do likewise, and behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, shall you do. And when I blow the trumpet, I and all that are with me, and they blow the trumpets also, all, every man of his camp, and say, The sword of the Lord in Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came onto the outside of the camp at the beginning of the middle of the watch. Uh, they put their newly set watch. They blew the trumpets, blake the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and the lamps that were in their hands, and the trumpet in their right hands to blow with all. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and the Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about, and the camp and all the hosts ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout the hosts. And the hosts fled to Beth Shishah, 
uh, in Jezreel and in the uh, border of uh, uh, Abel uh, Mehola unto Tabith. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali, out of Asher, out of all of Manasseh, and pursued after the Midianites. And Gideon sent messengers throughout all the host of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites, and take therefore them the waters of uh, Betharah and Jordan. And then all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together, and took the waters of Bethbarah and Jordan, and took two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb, and they slew Oreb upon the rock, and and Oreb and Zeb they slew in the winepress of Zeb and pursued the Midianites, uh, Midian, and, and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gibeon on the other side of Jordan. And so we see the acts of Gideon here. He's encouraged to decrease his army. He's encouraged to act, uh, listen to the enemy. He's encouraged to go into battle, and he does. And uh, you can see these being the acts of, G of Gideon as kind of an overview of his life there. In Acts chapter 8, we'll look at this maybe further next week. He destroys uh, some leaders there uh, he, uh, and asks his firstborn again to destroy them. In fact, let's just pick up in verse number 20. It says, and he said to Jether, his, his firstborn up, slay, uh, slay them. But the youth drew not his sword, for he feared, because he was yet a youth. Then Zor, uh, Ziba and Zebulun said, Rise thou and fall upon us, for as a man is, so is his strength. And Gideon arose, slew Ziba and Zebulun, and took away the ornaments that were on their camel's neck. Then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rue thou over us, both thou and thy son and thy sons also, and thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither will my sons rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. And so we see him going to the battle, and him winning in the battle, him defeating the enemies, him being the deliverer that God had chosen. And so we see the acts of Gideon. I want to speak briefly on the character of Gideon. Let's back up there to Judges chapter 6. What was the character of Gideon? What makes a mighty man of valor? Uh, Judges chapter 6, verse number 15, the Bible says, And he said, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. This mighty man of valor was a man of humility. He was a humble leader that God could use, someone that God could direct. He was humble. Secondly, he was obedient. You see that in verse number 20. Here in verse 20 it says, And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon the rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. He gave this as a gift. He puts it exactly where he's supposed to do. And he does so. You see the same thing in verse number 25. And it came to pass that same night, the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock and throw down the altar of Baal. And what does he do? He goes out that night. Verse number 27 says this, and he does the will of God. A mighty man of valor is humble. A mighty man of valor is obedient. A mighty man of valor, thirdly, is dependent on God. Judges chapter 6 there, verse 36, And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece, a, pole on the, a wool on the ground, and if the dew be on the fleece, and it be dry, and on the earth beside, 
Then I shall know that thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said. I know that I can do this if you're going with me. So he's dependent on God. He's dependent on God. He's faith-filled as far as a, again, a mighty man of valor. You see that later on here in verse number 17 as he goes through all these different things. Uh, verse 17, it says, And he said unto him, Look on me, and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of camp, I shall be that, and as I do, so shalt thou do. Yes, he's bold, he's faith-filled. God has, again, confirmed things by signs. He has allowed for him to see some signs from God and some signs from heaven. His faith is filled, he's able to lead. And so he blows the trumpet there. By example, verse number 18, it says, When I blow the trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of the camp and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Now keep in mind, the fearful had left there to a large degree. I mean, 22,000 left there, 9,700 left behind, and he, he and 300 brave and bold men take these pitchers, and they break these pitchers there, it says there, and they shout the sword of the Lord and Gideon. And as a result of this, these enemies end up killing each other. I believe in fear, and uh, because... God allowed it to be so. They destroyed one another, but we see his faith there. We see in uh, Judges chapter 8, I just want to mention this, we see his wisdom. We didn't look at this. His discretion in, uh, in battle. It says, and when the men of Ephraim said unto, why hast thou served us thus? And thou hast not called us not. And went us to fight against the Midianites. And they did chide with him sharply. And so there's some people that said, we wanted to join this thing. And uh, he says, verse number two, and he said unto him, Why have I done now in comparison to you? Is not the gleanings of grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Ebenezer? Uh, God had delivered into your hands the princes of the Midianite, Oreb and Zeb. And what was I do in comparison to thee? Then their anger was abated toward him when he had said that. So, again, he, he was very discretionary, very wise. And again, I believe that helped him to be a mighty man of valor. And then finally, I just want to mention here, in closing here tonight, he was not perfect in character, and I want to just mention that he was flawed a bit here, as we see here in verse number 23 and following. I just want to read these verses to you. In uh, Judges 8, verse 23, it says, And Gibeon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you, the Lord shall rule over you. And Gideon said unto them, I would desire a request of you. And this is kind of just a personal thing. This isn't necessarily God's bidding at all, in fact. I would request something to you, that you would give me every man the earrings of his prey. For they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. And they answered, We will willingly give them. And they spread a garment and did cast them every man earrings of his prey and the way of the gold of the earrings that he requested was a thousand seven hundred shekels of gold besides the ornaments the collars and the purple raiment that was on the kings of the of Midian and besides the chains that were about the camel's necks and Gideon made an ephod therefore and put it in his city even unto Orpah and all Israel went thither a whoring after it 
which thing became a snare unto Gideon and to his house. Thus the Midianites subdued, thus was Midian subdued before the children of Israel, so that he lifted up their heads no more, and the country was in quietness forty years in the days of Gideon. So I just want to mention it, he's not perfect, he was flawed. Had this ephod made, this ephod gold made, and the people went to whoring after it. They worshipped it. And I don't know why he did this, but he did it nonetheless. Again, a lot of people want something to be remembered for them, and sometimes they'll have statues or things erected to them, and that seems to be what happened there. His flawed character was also seen there towards the end of the chapter. It says that he married many wives, and he had 70 sons because he had many wives, and we'll talk about that more next week. But we see Gideon here tonight. The acts of Gideon tore down his father's idolatrous altar. He confirmed his call through a fleece situation. He healed his army to the size God wanted them to be. He listened to the enemy, which emboldened his faith. And then he went to battle, and God gave him the victory. Gideon was indeed a mighty man of valor, because God made him that. Let's close as we consider the word of God here tonight.